You're listening to The Counseling Clinic with Aisha G. And Lisa Michelle, the show for up-and-coming mental health professionals, advocates, and anyone else who wants to learn more about the mental health field from two not-so-professional professionals. Hello, folks. Hey, everyone. Welcome back. If you're a returning listener, if you're new here, we're happy to have you. So... Last time we talked about therapeutic spaces and how those spaces can be virtual. Um, And we won't talk about what they should physically look like again, at least not for the most part. So go back and listen to that episode. That was the last one, episode 45. Um, And then also in season two, uh, episode 11, We talked about the overall concept of telehealth, the necessity of it, and some about credentialing. So go back and listen to that as well. This time, um, this is our telemental health episode, and we are going to be talking about the meat of telemental health um, and just kind of what to expect for both clinicians and uh, clients. So let's start with the who. For the most part, the who in this telemental health space is um, clinicians who are able to practice independently, um, fully licensed professionals, usually in a private practice setting, and and even people who are kind of trying to expand. Right, right. So for me, and I guess this is somewhat of an opinion, um, but it, it's a bit of an opinion but it's uh professional based i guess um (laughs) uh is i don't necessarily feel like it's for seasoned professionals um Mm, i just feel like it's for skilled professionals right for example uh the professional using telemental health or providing telemental health services should have a certain level of um awareness of of symptoms of different diagnoses right uh what things look like what are the behavioral presentations of different diagnoses so you have to have a certain level of skill right um i also think that that the clinician should have a certain level of autonomy or self-awareness um and that might look like the ability to be firm and to trust your skill set right and that doesn't necessarily mean, oh, I can handle this diagnosis. It's fine. Sometimes that looks like this is not appropriate. I'm not going to accept this client, right? Um, Absolutely. Your self-awareness might also come into play when um, you need to have a network, right? So you need to be aware mm-hmm. of who you have to contact, um, a professional network, uh, people you can use to consult, knowing when to consult, right? right. Uh, we talk about that regularly. Um, so I think those things are more important than just the time, right? Longevity of practicing in the field, but more of the quality of your uh, professional experience, the quality of your time in the field. And I think that's spot on, but I think you would almost have to be in order to work a platform or work something like telemental health. Exactly. You've got to know what is and isn't appropriate. And we're going to talk more about that later, but having the self-awareness, but the knowledge, the skill set, the network, 
all of these things so that you can make this effective. Right. And and when you think about all of those things, it makes sense that they advertise to professionals in independent practice, like independent practitioners. It makes sense right. that that's who they advertise to. And then also they have more flexibility because they can use different mediums. Um, and we'll come right. back to that in a second. So before we get there, let's jump into the what. I think there's this big question of, you know, what's it going to look like, mm-hmm. right? How is, whether it's a platform or not, what is telemental health going to look like for me? And what it's going to look like is counseling. That's, <laughs> that's what it's going to look like, counseling. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, I say that because... In a virtual space, right, or in um, with telemental health, um, a lot of times people have the idea that it will provide quick fixes, right? So it, but it's, it still looks like counseling. You still have to do the work. Right. Like almost the assumption that this is like counseling light or right, like right. diet counseling, <laughs> you know, because I think. I think it's so easy for it to feel that way. If if we're yes. doing some of these platforms mm-hmm. that do the the messenger, um, or the, oh uh, I'm not on here, board with the messaging, yo. I was going to say, here's an opinion. I, I I don't think that's really ever appropriate, um, mm-hmm. or beneficial for the client or the clinician, right? Um, but that's just me. But I, I do think there's this sense of like, oh, it'll be air quotes around this, but easier. Um, yes. to do telemental health or messaging or what have you. Um, but that's not the point of counseling. And we, right. Aisha, we've talked about this, but I tell my clients all, all the, time. the time, therapy's hard. It, it is, is hard. Right. And y'all here so, say that here all the time. It is hard. <laughs> it's hard work. Right. And so I, I, I do think that because it's so easy for it to come across that way of mm-hmm. this kind of, you know, reduced calorie counseling. <laughs> uh, sorry for all of the <laughs> diet. I things. like them all. Um, That's my favorite. <laughs> um, you know, that it's going to feel better or feel good. And I, I will say this again, maybe this is more of an opinion, but I think in the advertisements I've seen in a lot of these spaces, mm-hmm. Is that it's about feeling good. It's about getting help to feel better. And I get it. I get it. It's therapy feelings, right? But this sense that it's about, you know, it it almost sounds like a quick fix. So I get that's why people see it and expect it to be that way. Right. And then you also have to think about the circumstances, right? So it may be less intimidating to see somebody virtually um, instead of going into an office. But also, is it less intimidating to see somebody virtually? Like sometimes. God, so it me out more. Right. Sometimes I mean, think about <laughs> your, your Zoom meetings, you know, like um, even Ugh. with if you're in a Zoom meeting with coworkers you see every single day now you're on zoom and you're looking at yourself and you're wondering do i look okay or am i professional enough or you're distracted by your own picture in the corner you know what i mean like so it's not necessarily easier or more convenient or less intimidating um sometimes it can be more so so i really think that that's circumstantial but i also I also get a lot of, like when I see the advertisement, I feel like there's a lot of, oh, this will be lighter, you know? Um, yeah. yeah. 
this will be Coke Zero, you know, like it's not. <laughs> but but I I just don't I don't one I'm I'm pretty disappointed that that it's sometimes presented that way because you still have to be willing to do the work, you know. Um, it would be nice if self work was easy, but it's not, y'all. Right. Self work is is not easy, and that that would be nice, but it's not. But that's that's what I see a lot of, and that's that's. And I also think that that can be a contributing factor to people not following through. You know, mm, and and we yeah. know that that's yeah. already an issue. You know, we we know that a lot of clients you'll only see them once, right? You only get that one chance with them. Um, we know that a lot of times people only come in when they're in crisis, right? So we know that that's already an issue because it's hard to work on yourself. So we don't need to give <laughs> we don't need to give additional reasons for people to stop coming or to avoid coming or um or to give people the wrong impressions just to get them in the door and then they're like, this is not. It. Let me not do it, you know? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it's one of those things, and we talk about transparency in the field a lot Mm -hmm. here at the Counseling Clinic Podcast, (laughs) but this is one of those areas that I think we have to keep pushing to be more transparent about, of that it is difficult, it isn't a quick fix, it is going to be uncomfortable at times, but that's kind of the goal. I mean, if you wanted to stay the same way, you would stay in your comfortable same way. So we can also kind of talk about the win, but there's not really a go-to answer for that. So Michelle kind of talked to us about that some. Yeah, this is one of those things that is going to be dependent on you and your counselor. Mm-hmm. Um, whatever the case is, you know, maybe there's a, you work night shifts or you work right. day shifts, you know, so there's not like a cut and dry answer. Um, mm-hmm. Generally, these platforms do really try to make it flexible enough or available enough Mm -hmm. that there are counselors available around the clock as much as they can, um, which is helpful now. Right. That is one of the benefits. Yeah. But I mean, as far as the specifics on when that's something that you and your counselor or or you and your client would have to address. Mm -hmm. Um, and you know, I think I think that's something to be really mindful of when it comes to some of these platforms. Absolutely. And if you're a clinician, especially, you know, knowing what's going to work for you. Right, right. Um, and and also, I, it's also circumstantial in the sense of um, how you see them. Like if you if you just that's go right. to a um, if you go to a platform, then name to a larger platform, and we'll talk some more about that in a second. Um, but if you go to a larger platform, then they may have counselors who are available at what's the word? Um, unorthodox times. That's what I'm looking for. <laughs> um, you know, like outside of business hours and things like that, right? <laughs> or you know, maybe even late at night. But if you're seeing um a person in private practice uh, who you've been seeing and for whatever reason it had to go virtual, they may still only, like their availability is their availability, right? right. Um, so I think that's circumstantial and that's something to keep in mind as well. Um, but but again, like I said, it is one of the benefits because it, it does provide some flexibility. For example, I have been known to not end my day sometimes until 8 p.m., right? But 
even with that, um, one, that's in a very special case, but two, I'm not starting a session at 8 p.m. at night, right? Whereas right. with my virtual clients, I do have a client who I see at 8 p.m., um, you know, because I'm, I am in a set place already, right? Um, so I think that, again, it does provide some of that flexibility, but it will be circumstantial, right? Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so and then there's the where. And the where is one of those things kind of like the when that it is going to depend on the situation, mm-hmm. um, the platform, the the clinician, that kind of thing. Um, so with distance counseling, for instance, um, that's the client and the counselor not in the same place. Um, right. Which is going to have to be virtual <laughs> for the most part. Except right. um, that this could be... And let me clarify, when we say telemental health, it could be video, uh, it could be phone call, it could be messaging, chatting, email, um, that kind of thing. So it's, Mm -hmm. it's not always the same thing. It really Mm -hmm. is kind of circumstantial or what's best fit for you, that kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, sometimes, um, what's convenient, which that's not great, y'all. That's not great. Not great. <laughs> you know, <laughs> and I realize that's an opinion, but but I mean, it's just I feel like it's a pretty it, valid one. It and it's also <laughs> a professional one. I mean, that's the, right. the answer is is that things have to be fitting and appropriate for change to occur, and that usually is not the case with messaging and email, and then you got to deal with confidentiality and things like that. Right. Um, right. So you know, it, there there are issues, right? There are, are um, kinds. Um, <laughs> Um, And we talked about some of that, uh, you know, again, in the past when we talked about uh, the necessity of distance counseling and getting on board because it it is a necessity. You know, we we do need to make make room for it in the field. I still feel that way. Um, Yeah. So it's not a change of stance. It's just um, those are still problems that need to be addressed. (laughs) Right. And again, this is something that's relatively new to the field. Mm-hmm. But only relatively, though, because um, who was it? Was it Freud that um, communicated by mail with his clients? Didn't he send letters? I want to say that was Freud. That's... I'm I'm pretty sure that's the right person. You know, that is... I forgot. Right. And then people, people regularly use phone calls. Um, so yeah, it's, it's only relatively new, this widespread or the video part. Um, but but distance counseling is new and you'll learn that, um, not you, Michelle, but like, (laughs) um, clinicians who are listening, you'll learn that when you do your, um, your BCTMH training, if you haven't done that yet. Um, and I, I really enjoyed that training, y'all. I know this is kind of a tangent, but um, I actually really enjoyed the training. I I thought it was informative in that it's stuff you already know, but stuff you may not be thinking about that you have to make accommodations for it to be virtual. Um, I feel like it was a lot of, oh, yeah, that's common sense. Why wasn't I thinking about it? Because it's pretty common sense, you know? <laughs> right. <laughs> so, but I, I very much enjoyed that. 
So then also with the where, um, remember last episode, we talked about your physical space, even though you're doing something virtual, right? So you right. want to uh, be mindful of those distractions, um, things like background noise, um, making sure that your lighting is appropriate, also having a charger so your devices don't fail. It's, it's important to, uh, again, when you do your telemental health training, um, you'll learn more about having a backup plan for technical failures or technical difficulties. Right. And, you know, this is one of those things where because it's kind of circumstantial, the where, Mm -hmm. it's so good to kind of go into it, whatever, you know, phone call, messaging, messaging, what have you with a plan. Yes. And I think that's for both people. Like, I think both the, um, the client and the the clinician truly benefit from that. Because again, there's this expectation that, oh, it's more convenient and I can just do anything, right? Whereas um, you can't, you know, you you can be on your phone, but then certain things may not be available to you. You know, what if you want to... um, if the clinician is asking the client to refer to a journal entry, right? Then if that's on your phone, right. then you can you have to turn off your video to access that. Or if it's a physical journal, the client might have to put their phone down to look at their journal entry and then you can't see the client anymore, right? So you lose that. Whereas if you were in person, you would be able to see the client's facial expressions while they're reading. Um you can see what's going on with them. You can see See if their body is tensing, but if they have to put their phone down, right? So most of the time, your phone is not conducive, right? But a lot of times, a clinician might have some reservation in saying that because you might not want to, um, you you want the client to feel like there's enough convenience, right? So that's an issue. Mm. I think that the the clinician should absolutely say something about it, right? Yes. Um, to, yes. <laughs> because it gets in the way of the actual therapy, right? But you also don't want to take away that feeling of convenience. Um, so that's something to consider too, you know. I agree, and and that's one of those things too, where these are, you know, we talk a lot about um, different conversations you have with a client or different mm-hmm. things to address, and this is one of those things where it is completely valid to address some right. of these things. These are right. real concerns, right? Now, I would say have a you know kind of prepared way to address it. Um, you know, mm-hmm. in order, like you said, to to maintain that feeling of convenience and comfort and safety. Mm-hmm. However, is it helpful? Right, right. Um, again, you uh, are not necessarily again, but um, a different example is like if you're on your phone, maybe your client is driving. Well, that is unsafe, right? <laughs> um, that's also, Absolutely. you may, the, the client may feel like, well, this is a convenient time that I have, but that's not convenient. That's a distraction, right? Um, and those are things that need to be discussed. You know, you don't want, um, things that are disruptive to the therapeutic process, right? It still needs to be therapeutic. Yeah. I couldn't agree more. And that, that is one of those things, like we said, be mindful 
And be prepared. Be prepared mm-hmm. to say, you know, maybe you're on a, a larger platform or you're in private practice, but set some of those boundaries and, and kind right. of rules of, hey, I'm not going to see you if you're driving a vehicle. Exactly. I think that's fine. Like, that's totally fair right. to say that because that's safety. Right. Um, and that that's actually, I just remember that's one of the examples on the um on the training, he talks about like what happens if you're in the middle of a session and a client gets into an accident, you know? Mm -hmm. So it really is, like I said, it's stuff, you know, like, oh yeah, I should have thought about that. Right. But it's stuff that's not at the forefront of your mind. So it's a really great training y'all. But the point is you have to be able to talk about that stuff, you know, Um, because the client for the most part, won't know. That has to come from the clinician. Um, and then if you're a client listening to the Counseling Clinic Podcast, then you get some of the meat. So yeah, for you. <laughs> um, so be, be, um, accepting, right? Um, try not to do it first because you already know, but also be accepting when your <laughs> clinician says that to you. Right. So let's get into some of the how. I've heard mixed reviews from clinicians about the larger platforms, um, like Talkspace, BetterHelp, right. um, and there are others, but those are kind of the big two right, right now. Um, and I've I've had pretty mixed experiences as well. Um, like there's some okay stuff and then some stuff that's like what what is happening here like this is this is not it's not therapy don't work like this no mm -hmm, that's not it (laughs) so let me ask you this do you think that's because it's still kind of a relatively new thing to have these larger platforms or do you think it's like like glitches that'll get worked out or do you think it's the actual process of doing this on larger platforms so i I think um, that it is one of those issues that's usually an issue in a lot of different areas, right? So you know how like when there are issues with education, um, there's a lot of people making the rules for education that aren't in education. Um, <laughs> right. It's, it's kind of one of those things. Like there are mm, issues okay. because virtual stuff needs people who work virtually, right? Um, or even with like larger companies, larger entities that provide counseling, right? You get those issues where accountant is talking to you about one thing or the legal services or marketing are t- is talking about one thing and you're like, okay, but what about inside this therapy session, right? <laughs> that's not how right. things go. We can't trick the client into being here. Like that's not, we have to talk about the whole process, right? So, um, you know, in a virtual space, you have to have those people who deal with the virtual side you have to have those people who deal with the technical yes. issues and you have yes. to have those people who deal with the um the marketing the virtual marketing and things like that and then but but they're not as informed as they need to be about the clinical side and i have an issue with that overall like if you're going to work in something that deals with clinical issues then you need to have at least some sort of clinical background and Look, y'all, the rules don't change for me. I feel like that for for everything. If you're going to work in education, you need to have some sort of educational background. If you work in politics, you need to have some kind of political background, right? You need to know enough to know that what I'm saying to you as a clinician is valid, right? You need to know enough to know that if what I'm talking to you about as an educator is valid, I need to know enough to know um, if you're handling my, my accounting 
saying, right? I need to know enough accounting to know what you're telling me is valid, right? So we need to be um, informed about the different sides of what's going on. We all have to have a certain level of background coming into it to work together, right? <laughs> we can't just the- be making separate rules for us to work <laughs> together. It don't work like that. That's right. I, I agree. And-, and I would even say to the background, but also the conversations, mm-hmm. you know, they need to be, they as in the platforms and the platform management needs to be able to hear and also give criticism, feedback, questions right, right. Um, as they come up. Yes, absolutely. And I, in my experience, I think that's one of the things that's not really done well. Like there's not enough communication mm. between the two sides. And, and like I said, I would have a problem with that anywhere, right? Whether it's working for a large company, um, whether right. it's in a different field, I would have a problem with that anyway. Like we, we should be if we work together then we should be working together yes. together like that's <laughs> yes I don't, I don't know how to make that more clear <laughs> so yeah i think that that's an issue um and and i feel like that's an easy fix right we we could just we could just talk to each other y'all we can fix like, that today <laughs> but but it, yeah, clearly I don't run things. Um, <laughs> we got no control over nothing. <laughs> so, so I don't make the rules. Um, but that's something that doesn't have to be a problem. But right now it is a problem. Yeah. So lastly, let's kind of go into the whys of, mm-hmm. of telemental health in this virtual space. Um what, what's the why? Right. Well, the the easy why is because you need counseling, right? Um, <laughs> right. <laughs> that's the easy why, but but also it's deeper than that. Um, yeah. You you have to be willing to determine why you need counseling, right? You know, um, we mm. mentioned a second ago. You know, it um, telemental health can feel like an easy fix. It can feel like um, a convenience or that it should be, um, I can just do it anywhere or at any time with anything going on, which all of those things are untrue. Um, so you have to be willing to to um, look into all of those things. You know, we also talk about all the time uh, here on the Counseling Clinic Podcast, you know, we talk about, you don't have to determine that by yourself. If you're wondering if you should start counseling, go ahead and start and you can figure out the why with your clinician, right? Absolutely. Um, and, you know, even on the clinician side, you know, I know I'm sure we have, at least I hope we have um, a lot of <laughs> up and coming clinicians listening because that's who we're here for. <laughs> but um, you don't have to do that by yourself either. Like the the clinician and the client are a team, right? You guys can figure that's that right. out together. Um, you don't have to just take what they say and try to piece it together. You can, you know, ask them for more information and try to make sure you're hearing them right. You know, reflect back to them to make sure that you're gathering the right stuff. Um, and then the biggest thing is make sure you're trusting each other, you know, make sure that clients are trusting the clinicians, right. To help them figure out why they need counseling and also, um, to give them the right, to set the right expectations is the word I want to say, right. Um, again, be okay, be accepting if you're, if you're, 
clinician says, um, you know, you can't only, you're not a fit for only phone sessions, right? Um, yes. Trust that, but also your team. So ask them why, you know, they can tell yes. you why you're not a fit. That's okay. But also, you know, trust each other, you know, clinicians, listen to your clients and ask them what they want. Um, but also trust yourself enough to communicate to them if that's a fit and if it's not a fit, you know, so I think those things are important. And one of the things too, with things not being a right fit for you, Mm -hmm. I know that's hard to hear. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, especially in the, under the, the guise of convenience, right? You know, exactly. We are, we're in a society that we pride ourselves on having a lot going on, whether or not we always want to admit yeah. that. Yep. Um, mm-hmm. And so being able to, air quotes again, squeeze squeeze in uh, mm-hmm. counseling into our daily lives um, seems good and makes us feel good. But there's a difference in squeezing in counseling and then carving out time for counseling. Right. And I would say if your goal is to squeeze it in, you're that's something that needs to be addressed. I, that was my first thought. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you're probably but that, not ready. that's something that a and and up and coming professionals, you know, hear me on this. Be able to address that too. If you right. can tell the client is barely even focused on the session or barely mm-hmm. um, putting in their their energy, you can um, say that. Are only one are only there to talk about other people and other things that are going wrong, but not willing to address Absolutely. their stuff. Absolutely, they don't really want to focus on themselves. That is something that you have to talk about. That's something that has yes. to be addressed. And and also, we ha- I I think that sometimes um, clinicians may have a hard time with that, specifically as an up up-and-coming professional, you may yes. um, be unsure how to handle that. But the answer is, that's okay, right? People don't have to be ready today. You know, it's okay that's if right. they're not ready, but you also have to re- acknowledge that they're not ready, right? And have them acknowledge that they're not ready, too. Um, you can be ready for different stuff, but but um, if you're not ready to work on yourself, that is okay, but it's also not ready. Nothing will happen, right? <laughs> And that's the thing, you know, we've talked about burnout. We've talked about frustrations before. Mm-hmm. That's frustrating. Like yeah. keeping a client on because you're afraid to address um, this kind of situation. Right. And then, you know, the tires are spinning. There's mm-hmm. no progress being made, barely putting an effort. That's right. going to continue to frustrate you. That's mm-hmm. not going to go away. Right. Until you say, oh, hey, this is okay. They're not, <laughs> right. They're not ready. <laughs> That's right. We're on the wrong section. We're, we're not in that part of the change cycle. Oh, goodness, the change cycle. <laughs> um, and then also for uh, clients, you know, your clinician may talk to you about the convenience that you're looking for, but they also may challenge you and, and probably mm. should challenge you to, to question whether you are avoiding the difficulties of therapy. 
as we always say, we regularly tell you therapy is hard, y'all. It's hard. It It is. And that's a good thing. It's a good thing. It should be hard. Right. It's a good thing. Working to change is challenging and that is okay. And you usually leave feeling better, right? (laughs) You usually leave feeling better. That's what's supposed to happen. But Again, if you come in looking for those quick fixes um, and that convenience, then you may run away when your clinician tell, asks you, are you avoiding coming in? Right. Are you? Um, right. <laughs> I think that you're avoiding the hard work of um actual therapy you know you have a um you have a diagnosis that warrants you coming in physically warrants you being Mm -hmm. physically seen by somebody don't run away from that um or at least i hope you're not running but that may be where you are right that's right (laughs) and that's okay too but when you're ready to change you're gonna have to get up and go in and see somebody okay (laughs) You can have to go. Um, or it may not even be that, that situation. Maybe you, um, maybe you say that you want to only do messaging or you want to do, um, you want to do phone counseling, right? And you at least need a video, right? That may be the case. I need to physically be able to see you, right? That's right. Um, be open to that if you are ready for change and and challenge yourself. If you're not open to it, you're probably not ready for a change, um, which again is okay, but you can't expect things to change if you're mm-hmm. not ready for to make the change. Um, so think about those things. Um, and then, you know, overall, like I said, telemental health is not a fit for everybody. Right. Um, for example, with an eating disorder, right? If you're a clinician listening, you may know some of the behavioral patterns, patterns. <laughs> um, you may know some of the behavioral patterns of a person with an eating disorder, uh, and they may try to hide their behaviors from you. They try to hide their behaviors from you, <laughs> um, or try to hide the way they look, right? Because if That's they're right. suffering with an eating disorder, then their body looks different. Um, that is not a fit for telemental health. You, you have to, or certain types of telemental health, right? If right. they're at a certain stage in their therapy, you may be able to try just video counseling, right? But you certainly can't try phone counseling if you can't see them, right? It certainly can't just be messaging um, or right. somebody somebody who's higher risk. Um, you know, we, we said earlier, both of us, that we're not on board with, with messaging and chatting. Um, you know, somebody who's higher risk, they may need more real time stuff, right? That's you right. may not, you may not be, they may not be in the position to wait for a clinician to respond. Absolutely. 24 hours later. Right. So it may it's everything is not a fit and that is okay. And it would be ideal if that could be addressed before they start. But sometimes it's left up to the clinician to say, "Um, I know you thought you were going to get started, but this is not a fit for you. (laughs) You know, one of the things you mentioned, I kind of want to go back to um, this messaging thing. Mm -hmm. One of the things, one of the reasons I'm not a big fan of it is because think about if you're texting, um, a friend, right. 
and -hmm. you have to say something either personal or maybe confrontational or Mm -hmm. what have you. In the, you know, let's say 15 minutes that takes them to get back to you or something. Right. That's all you're thinking about. And so if if your uh, counselor is not, this is not their work hours and you send them a message, you're going to fixate on that most likely. Exactly. Until you get a response. And And that can be so dangerous. It can. It can be dangerous. What is is typed can be dangerous, right? But waiting can be dangerous. You can be the one spiraling about just the actual wait. That's a danger. Right. Also tone, right? Um, you know, (laughs) you 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 can only guess the tone in something that is written, right? We learn about that in school, but it's only a guess. That's not that's not a, a um, an exact answer, right? You can right. decide that this came a different way than what was intended. Um, so that's a, a potential danger. I just think that there, there's just a lot of issues, y'all. There's a lot of room for dangerous stuff to happen. Yeah, so you can tell that we're really big fans of the chat and the messaging. <laughs> a lot of room y'all that's a lot of liability just say <laughs> a lot of liability and so again with this for the whole like sake of convenience thing it is a very real and valid concern to mm-hmm. have on is the client or client are you avoiding or are you really in need of something more flexible mm-hmm. and you know i get it i don't think it this is I- inherently bad Um, having the room to do video sessions now Mm -hmm. or messaging or what have you, I don't think that's wrong. Right. One of the things I would say, in my opinion, would be more beneficial is utilizing, you know, a therapist that you can also see in person who also does tell. Absolutely. I I would absolutely agree with that. Because I absolutely think that's better. Thinking of the the situation you said about tone, right? Mm-hmm. If this is somebody you've only seen on a platform one other time, you don't know them yet know, to know right. how to to receive their messages. But if right. your your local therapist over here will do and will be flexible with you on video sessions or phone call or what have you, you're gonna have a better time having those moments of delay or competition because right. you know right. them, you have that relationship. Right. We stress here a lot. The therapeutic relationship and the alliance is mm-hmm. so influential and powerful. And this right. is one of those examples of it most likely is going to be more helpful for you in the long run. If you yes. have someone that you could also go see in person. I agree with that. A hundred percent. That is absolutely accurate. And I think kind of along that same line, when it's somebody you're only seeing virtual um, because you you may not know their tone um, or if you've never seen the person, if it's only a messaging thing, when you have to guess, I think it kind of sets up to not include the genuineness, right? Like mm, we talked yeah. about um, clinicians being able to be genuine, but if you've, if you've never experienced the genuine, or if you don't know mm-hmm. what the genuine is from this clinician, then again, there's only, you only leave room for guessing, right? And then like sometimes on the bigger platforms, in my experience, I feel like it's encouraged um, to use 
fluffier stuff so that people can mm. receive it as genuine, right? Um, make sure you use kind words and, you know, things that people read using this voice, you know. Um, <laughs> so I feel, you know, oh, I'm, I'm so happy that you decided to share this with me. But are you actually happy because this person is struggling? So is it something you would be happy about? You know what I mean? Right. It just doesn't make a lot of sense. And you have to put on that. That, um, that, oh, I'm a clinician tone, you know, and that's not, that's not genuine, you know, um, and I've talked about that before, like, um, using the kid voice, you know, and, um, you, you know what I mean? And then, um, yeah. cultural yeah. differences, you know, people, right. people present differently. Uh, for example, I was, thinking recently how um a certain person i know receives me like they receive everything i say as black right they, oh <laughs> which which I, you know i mean that's just it's what it is or um you know i'm a black woman and i know a specific person who receives me as angry regardless to what i say in this you you know, that's usually not the case, but that's how they receive me, right? But but uh, my point is, those are cultural differences um, that can sometimes not be accounted for um, mm. over messaging and um, phone and different things like that, you know? Right. Right. And, and kind of like what you, you've said it a couple of times in this episode so far is this some things need to be at least mentioned on the front end. Exactly. Um, and I think that it would, it would behoove some of these platforms to do that in the beginning mm -hmm. of when, whatever the, the intake paperwork is, you know, ha having something about that in there of, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, even like uh, like on the bigger platforms, you see a picture of the clinician and you get you see their bio. Right. And so it's just kind of assumed that you chose that person. So you don't have to talk about the differences between the two of you. Right. right? Whereas if this was your first time meeting, then you might be your your hopefully you're more you're inclined to ask okay well we're different let's talk about the ways we're different is this okay right um right. and i i think that that can um slip through the cracks because that person already chose you um and that's a that's you know a clinician may have um a website that a person looks at before they come in for in-person counseling so that can happen too um right but but I think it is more likely to fall through the the cracks virtually. Um, so those are just some things to consider and to be mindful of. And again, to talk to your clinician about and clinician talk to your clients about. Again, there's no change in stance here. You know, our previous telemental health episode was about whether this was a necessity or not yes it is a necessity we do have to make absolutely it's 2021 we just have to do it right <laughs> but it doesn't have to suck though it don't have to have a million problems you know again we just mentioned the problem that could be fixed today right now <laughs> right <laughs> it could be fixed over the course of this episode right <laughs> but um so that is all we have for you. We just want you to be mindful of those things. Um, clients to know what you're getting into. 
telemental health is still therapy. It will still be hard. Um, there is some flexibility in it, but you do still have to put in the, the hard work. You do still have to make sure you're holding up your end of the bargain. Um, clients and clinicians, you do have to be somewhere private. You do have to have, um, uh, realistic means, right? You can't only be on your cell phone. You can't do it while you're in the car. Um, so right. be mindful of those things. And that's all we got. That's, that's what we got for y'all. Um, <laughs> let, let us know your thoughts and experiences. Uh, are you a clinician with thoughts, experiences, guidance to share with us about telemental health? Are you a client with thoughts or questions about telemental health? I'll tell you this. One of the answers will be, um, talk to your clinician about it, but <laughs> that'd be the first part of the answer, <laughs> but you can still ask the question. Um, thanks for clearing that up. <laughs> Uh, do you have thoughts on how telemental health can be improved? Um, again, in episode 11, um, that was the beginning of season two, we talked about telemental health, uh, being necessary, um, but needing improvement. I still feel that way. That is still the case. Um, Agreed. (laughs) So we still feel that way. (laughs) But there is a ton of room to grow. So let's talk about some of the ways that it can be improved. And hopefully some people will start working on those improvements. Uh, So there's that. (laughs) And we will see you guys next time. See ya. listening to the counseling clinic with Aisha Jane and Lisa Michelle. Remember to check out our website at the counseling clinic podcast.com and follow us on Instagram at the counseling clinic podcast. We'll see you guys by the next session. Bye guys. The music provided by Scott Holmes and our show is edited and produced by Chris Luke.